At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Back here for the long-awaited part two. Uh, I'm Nate Duncan, joined by John Hollinger of The Athletic. If you haven't listened to part one, definitely give that a listen when we talked about how it is that we're going through it and ranking some of these organizations. So, uh, And we did about uh, the top half of the league. In our view, obviously, we have some disagreements. We spent some substantial time on that. So... Who is your highest remaining team, John, that we did not talk about it in part one? Well, um, I'm not sure because we we kind of mentioned Dallas, but we didn't really talk about them. That's that's who I wanted to talk about first as well. Okay. Okay, sure. Yeah, Fire away. And they're, they're probably my, at least for me, you had some other teams higher, like uh, Denver, Indiana, you had higher than I did. Um, but they're... The last one that I would consider kind of an above average organization that we haven't talked about yet, at least in my view. So they have weird positives and negatives, I think. Um, they're, they're not super organized. It's basically, it's, you know, almost a two man show between Cuban and Donnie. Uh, they have a great coach that they've been, been able to keep. Uh, obviously they got a lot of mileage out of the Dirk Nowitzki pick in particular. And uh, they seem to have made the right call putting their assets on the table for Doncic. We'll see how the Porzingis part of it works out. Um, I don't know where the uh, the whole sexual harassment thing falls in with with yeah. our rating here. Uh, yeah, well, that's interesting, right? Because well, the criteria, at least uh, that I was judging on, is you know, who would you want running your team as a fan? And certainly that would really bum me out if <laughs> yeah. I were a fan. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, it has to be a negative of, of some kind, uh, depending on how large or small you want to make it. Uh, have done a pretty good job on international scouting in general. Uh, you know, finding guys like Max Kleba, uh, a couple other guys they brought in. They, they take a shot on one almost every year. Their hit rate's been pretty decent. Uh, so, so we got to give them credit for that. Uh, I do think they use analytics pretty extensively. Uh, Probably a little hit and miss at the at the higher levels, but I, I think it's definitely something they're aware of and and take into account. Yeah, you know, it's really. I mean, this is a team that has executed a couple of very bold moves in the last couple of years. You mentioned with Doncic and Porzingis, the Doncic trade is looking awesome so far, uh, and it was really they were hamstrung in Dirk's twilight years because. 
especially in these last probably three years or so, they kind of had to play him. He wasn't that good. He still could do some things offensively, at least in the first couple of those years, but defensively he wasn't really good enough that you're going to be able to build a championship contender around him, even with the flexibility he was giving them by uh, having a lower salary in some of those years, uh, which, you know, good job getting him to do that, being enough in lockstep that you could do that. So it's almost like they were on hiatus for these last three or four years, but they at least got Carlisle to stick around during that time. They got him on board with the tanking at the end of some of those seasons uh, as well, which uh, ended up probably helping them. Uh, So, yeah, it's... uh, they, they did also reputation. Yeah. They did also waste the last few years of Dirk's good prime with uh dreams of salary cap glory that went hugely unfulfilled. Yeah, well, as it turned out, I, I mean there was the whole Shark Tank thing where Mark Cuban like wasn't available to meet with Darren Williams on the on the day that he that he wanted to. Now, as it turned out, probably dodged a bullet there as it track. turned out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a, some of the players they went after, it was almost better that they didn't get them. They were wanted to get on Dwight Howard a, a couple of years after that. Uh, that probably wouldn't have worked out too well either. Uh, I mean, they the did DeAndre do a Chase job. That, yeah. that sorry, ended what was with that? the yeah. I'm I'm sorry. The DeAndre uh, Jordan chase that ended with uh, the Clippers locking him in his apartment or hotel room or whatever it was. <laughs> One of the more surreal moments in recent NBA history. Yeah, I, you know. Who knows why it was that that happened? I mean, that might have been some some personal things for Jordan that were out of their control. But uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I did think that for a while there they did a decent job of just when they did strike out in some of their primary targets, finding players who would work reasonably well for them to remain competitive. Uh, the Rondo trade was a complete disaster, though. I mean, they yes. they had like one of the best offenses in NBA history, and then made that trade and basically just punted their season as a result of that, giving up a very valuable Jay Crowder in the process. Yeah. In addition to the picks they gave up. Exactly. Yeah. We, I mean, we were competing with them at the time and we just thought that made them so much easier to guard. We we had a lot of trouble with them as good as our defense was. And then once they added Rondo, there was a guy that we didn't have to guard. So it just made everything so much easier from a, well, from a defensive standpoint. And the standpoint. theory was that he was going to make them better defensively. And uh, no, actually, as it turned out, that they did not watch him. And Rondo's been a terrible defensive player ever since that ACL injury. So yeah, that, was, uh, that one wasn't any good. They have this bizarre obsession with Dwight Powell, which I don't quite understand either. Um, he's not terrible though. I mean, he, no, you know, but, but to extend him a year out at 10 million when he's probably not even a starter, I thought that was a little, that was a little interesting. Okay. Um, I'll buy that. So, yeah, uh, but overall, I mean, they spend, they, they, they haven't really been a position where they would need to be paying the tax since the new tax regime came in. Uh, they did win a championship. Obviously they have a really good coach that they've kept around. They were willing to spend under the previous tax regime when it made sense. So I presume they would be willing to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. I um, agree with all that. So, uh, yeah. So I, I they're kind of uh, mid pack. I might be a little bit higher on them than you. For example, like I have them a little bit above Denver and Philly and Indiana. I think you had all, all three of those above them, right? Well, the Philly and Dallas were my last two quote unquote good <laughs> organizations. Okay. And, uh, I, 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 Denver and Indiana ahead of them though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I may be giving Indiana a little bit of short shrift. I, I, I thought after that, I, 
went back and thought about their draft record and it's uh i mean it is really good but as we talked about in part one it's sorry to be redundant here but we're not putting quite as much stock in the draft just due to the you know randomness and the fact that maybe there isn't necessarily an ability to find guys in the draft and you're just going to get lucky right i mean if you're even if you're you hit on five draft picks in a row somebody has to hit on five draft picks in a row just because you know you're due to random chance right and somebody's going to miss on five draft picks in a row due to random chance and you we, know, we deal with small samples when we evaluate drafts yeah. is is the the issue and small samples of of players that generally have high fail rates when you get outside the top 10 picks so uh that that that's where it gets a little difficult to evaluate unless you're dealing with extended track records um all right so the next tier that i had i i labeled meh which is just all right good okay. Okay, you know, not that good, not that bad, but you know, don't really particularly distinguish themselves. A couple of organizations that have made changes recently, sure, but uh, but have also looking pretty decent so far mm-hmm. as well. Um, but is that kind of where you're at now? So yeah, well? I had three teams that I would give like an incomplete grade to. Oh yeah, okay, let's uh, talk about them. Sure, uh, Pelicans, Hawks, and Magic. How are the Magic and incomplete? I mean, Jeff Weltman's been there two years now. Like, I, I still feel like they're in the process of doing what they want to do. I, 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 and I don't think they've pushed a lot of their chips in yet to do those things. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think, oddly enough, I would have bought that before they kind of overpaid to bring back this 40-win team that's not really going to have a way to get any better. Now, granted, uh, we talked about them a lot. Uh, you did that article on them. We talked about them a couple shows ago. Maybe there wasn't necessarily another way forward other than that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it does seem like they're just kind of going all in on average, as you termed it with the Heat uh, on last week's show. Right, um, right. So so I I think, like, yeah, you know, they, they kind of were right outside the point where they could have gotten difference makers a couple drafts in a row. Uh, you know, they've going for the old Milwaukee John Hammond get a bunch of length style, but I, I think they've been around long enough. I, I feel pretty comfortable uh, assessing them. Okay. Um, I feel like they, uh, all right. They Clifford was a good hire, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely true. He obviously transformed them last year. Uh, did not get killed on the Vooch contract, even, even though other teams were potentially in the market for him. Uh, you know, it was descending money. And he's an all, you know, was an all star last year. We'll see. I mean, it was a career year, probably, but he was an all star center. Uh, Ross Ross contract, you could maybe question a little more, except ho- like holy crap, would there be no shooting? <laughs> like, I, I yeah, it, it, you know, as it turns out, he hasn't shot that well to start the year. But I, if you had any aspirations at all with that team, just watching him shoot it was like whoa um you know we'll see how the Fultz gamble pays out uh the aminu signing was a little odd um that that was probably if you're going to if you're going to take shots at them that's probably well, one well, let me one ask place you to start w- would you have rather they cuz remember they also had to stretch mozgov to uh, uh, avoid the tax there uh, mm-hmm. as well would you have rather Signed Ross to his contract or Aminu to his contract? Uh, just to be clear on what those are, Ross was four years, about $54 million, uh, and Aminu was 
full mid-level exception for a couple of years uh, uh, with a third-year player option. I would have, I would have signed Ross just because the premium on wings and on shooting. I thought yeah. I thought Aminu was uh, a guy you could have gotten seventy-five percent of him for a quarter of the money. Let's say, like he's a he was a decent player. I mean, he was a starter on the team that went to the conference finals last year, but. Just he a, a team exacerbates. Really use him right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and just watching him uh, in Orlando, he just exacerbates everything that's already bad yeah. about the team. And so he just he ends up with the ball in situations where he shouldn't end up with it, or they'll get a switch and end up like having him post up somebody or like there were just so many situations where you saw him with the ball and you're just thinking to yourself, wow, this is, this isn't good right here. This, there's a good chance this yeah. doesn't end well. And so I, I just don't think he was really a great uh, fit there. Now it's still early. We'll see, but uh, you know, you got Chumo Kiki coming online next year too, who's, who's basically, you know, if he hits, he's a better version of the same thing, a lot more skilled. So I think if they had gone for a guard there, they'd probably feel a lot better about themselves right now. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe like a Seth Curry type, you know, but, uh, and, but, you know, maybe they could have gone for someone like that instead of Terrence Ross. I mean, the other problem with Ross is he's so bad defensively that if you're trying to actually take the next step and win a playoff series, it's really hard to play him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so it's like, oh, what, what are we going to be without his shooting? Well, you'll be a team that loses 4-1 in the first round, which, you know, isn't going to get you that far anyway. And you close off some other opportunities. Hey, hey, we're probably, we're probably getting too far into the weeds on that. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that there, when you've just basically totally locked up average, like mm-hmm. I actually felt to me that they were a little bit below, um, some of these other teams. Like I, I had them as, as a below average organization. You know, I did like the full trade. I thought that that was a good buy low. Uh, I, I thought the Isaac pick was a pretty good one, if it, an obvious one. But I, I mean, I'm other than the Clifford hire, I can't really point to any moves they've made where I'm like, wow, that was a great move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they've made a lot of ones that were mediocre to below average, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, that that basically sums it up. Is there anything that I'm missing that you really liked from them uh, that we haven't talked about? I just, like I said, I just feel like at some point they're gonna they're gonna make a move where they really push their chips in, and then that's when we'll have a better evaluation on on where they are. And so right now, I just have them in tier four as like kind of an incomplete. Yeah, I, I guess the Gordon contract was good. Another one of these descending contracts. I mean, the, the, I think more teams should do stuff like that where uh, you know if you're over the cap and you've got full bird rights on a guy like there's not much opportunity cost to just starting a salary high and having it go yeah. down and make the guy a, a uh the other thing better, you mentioned you mentioned yeah, mozgov's uh stretch money they appealed to have that money removed from their cap yeah so yeah i guess we'll find out uh about that uh yeah and i guess they only they came in 2017 so they've they've got three drafts under their belt now oh bomba was was a terrible pick. But, okay, so that's that's not looking real great. Yeah, yeah. It was a and it was a good and it was a good draft too. Right, and they already and there's also this is another thing where it was weird to me to go in on average because you just happened to make the playoffs last year and that just takes on this outsized importance because you hadn't made it in a few years. But like, just where are you going? Right, you draft Mo Bamba number six. You've got 
Vooch there, he has this out of nowhere all-star season. East all-star season, by the way. He's not a top. Asterisk, asterisk. Yeah, I mean, he he's not a top 24 player in the NBA. And he had a career year that, I mean, granted, they didn't get murdered on the contract, but you know, he's kind of still, he's still not playing well enough to live up to it, at least so far this year, as their whole team has been infected with this shooting virus. But, uh, so yeah, you draft this guy at number six, who you obviously believe in enough. The plan was clearly we're either going to re-sign Vooch for kind of, you know, backup-ish money, uh, you know, or Jonas Valanciunas type of money, uh, and bring Bamba along, or we're just going to let Vooch go in free agency and Bamba's going to start for us, and then, they either didn't stick to that plan or they saw how bad Pompa was and couldn't. And so now they've just locked in again with the, this team that's, uh, you know, I just don't see where they go. Yeah. I, I'm really interested to see what they do going forward. Cause I do think that could change where they, where they fall on this continuum. Uh, I, but, I do think, I do think they have to trade. Like, honestly, I think they have to trade Aaron Gordon at some point, just flat out. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. just, he's the guy who can get them something on the perimeter that's good enough to really change their stripes a little bit and take better advantage of what Isaac is and what he can be and some of the other guys they have. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's also had a disappointing start. So yeah, I, I'm, uh, I, I mean, I think they've been more bad than good so far. And, and it's, you know, three drafts in, I think that's enough. I mean, I agree with you. They kind of came in and like, they didn't have any flexibility really. And, so it was, it's certainly a difficult situation. I mean, there's a reason why usually new GMs are brought in because you don't have a ton of flexibility and the previous regime messed it up. But I, I think what was needed is a little bit more vision than they've been able to show so far. Maybe that could be partly due to ownership as well. I think we haven't talked about them uh, ownership yet. Again, we're spending a lot of time on the magic, but I, I think this is yeah. interesting. Um, it's, uh, well, it is interesting with respect to their ownership because they had a reputation for, uh, for meddling uh, yeah. in the previous regime. So far, it appears it's been Weltman's show. We haven't heard anything to the contrary. Yeah. So but we'll, I mean, do you think we'll see what's going on b- behind the scenes, you know? You, you never totally know. Yeah, well, and I mean, it does seem like if there's not an overt directive of like, hey, let's keep this playoff team together, there's probably at least some pressure to do that. Uh Alex Martin, who, who's their CEO, supposedly isn't as involved now, but he was a complete disaster. You know, the going back to the Dwight drama where he supposedly was like calling him and like saying there's some inappropriate well, stuff to well, him. Well, wait, like, wait, no, that was that was the other guy who drunk dialed him. That was um, uh, Vanderweide, who was the uh, son-in-law of the uh, owner, I think. <laughs> All right, well, th- thanks for reminding me of that. That was a, a few years ago, but yeah, and then like. They hire Skiles, and then all of a sudden, Skiles has the owner's ear, and you know it's not clear whether he or Hennigan is running thing. And then Skiles is, is run out of town, and they make that absolutely ridiculous Ibaka trade, uh, yes. which is just you know one of the dumber trades that we've seen. Uh, even you know, and Victor Oladipo wasn't Victor Oladipo back then, but it's still just it made still no sense to trade poor, Oladipo, yeah, and eleven for. Uh, what ended up being four months of Serge Ibaka. Yeah, to rent to rent him exactly. They were lucky they even got some of their money back with yeah. the you know trading him to get a pick and and Ross. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, so we're in a little bit of disagreement on, on them. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break here and we can. Uh, don't worry, we'll be getting to some of these other organizations. We'll have plenty to say. <laughs> 
amazing how that works right there's more to say on the bad organizations right it's like it's like your friend who's in a good relationship you know you never talk about the relationship and then your friend who's in a really bad relationship like that's all you talk about with them like that that's kind of where we're at now at this point (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh, with that tease yeah yeah sorry what were you saying i didn't have anything ah well good all right well that's will make it easy to edit this out uh (laughs) right before the commercial okay but maybe i'll leave it in who knows i'm deliriously tired at the moment (laughs) uh, after a flight back from japan all right before we get back to it, I want to tell you about my favorite non-basketball mode of entertainment, and that's Audible. They have the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. I have actually been a member since 2005, and I have now listened to countless audiobooks. And they're even better now because they've introduced Audible Originals. You can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible Originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash LockedOnNBA or text LockedOnNBA to 500-500. I've recently been listening to the Wheel of Time series, a great fantasy series by Robert Jordan on audible and using whisper sync technology i'm actually able to switch back and forth seamlessly between my amazon kindle and listening to the book on audible it all syncs up automatically so if i get home and i can't wait to hear how this chapter is going to end i can switch right to my kindle and it'll automatically sync it and i just keep reading so again the way to get started with them is at audible.com slash locked on nba or text locked on NBA to 500 500. That'll get you that 30 day trial in which you can choose one audiobook and two Audible originals. That's audible.com slash locked on NBA. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Okay, so the other incompletes that you had, let's let's get back to those. Sure, I had the uh, Pelicans and the Hawks. So the the yeah. the Pelicans I had at the top of tier four. I just felt like there wasn't any track record to put them higher. I mean, we all uh, think pretty highly of David Griffin, and he sees you know the moves he made so far se- seem to make sense. Uh, liked what he did on the draft. Uh, you know, getting Nikhil Alexander Walker and Jackson Hayes in the trade with Atlanta, moving off of Solomon Hill's salary, made some good moves to fill out the roster. Got Derek Favors for basically nothing. Uh, made a good trade with the Lakers where I think he got as much as he could for Anthony Davis. It's just, oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's un- we kind of underrate that now because the Paul George trade then ended up perhaps yeah. eclipsing it. Although, who knows? I mean, the, he did get number four in that, right? Like, we kind of forget that, too, because the subsequent trade was made. But, you know, number four is probably as good or, or maybe 
you know, whether you want to say Shea Gilders Alexander at number four is was a better asset at the time is, is an interesting question. But um, you know, that obviously was unique circumstances where they're getting Leonard and George. I mean, this is really the highest return we probably have seen for a superstar with one year left on his contract, and he did it when the guy only really was wanted to go one place and was threatening to not resign anywhere else that he wanted. Yeah, so he used every shred of leverage he had, obviously, to pull that pull that trade off. So, and it's left their future in a much better place. Uh, you know, even now, like Ingram's putting up good numbers. Like, who knows if he stays or he goes? But like, he could he could generate some value for them, even if he doesn't stay. Just in terms of a a sign and trade or a trade in February or whatnot. Well, yeah, and I thought that I thought that trade down from four. I didn't care for the Hayes pick just because I think he's a, not a good fit with Zion. Ultimately, and Zion, you know, I usually don't support drafting for fit when guys are this young, but Zion is so generational. Like, I think you have to start thinking that way. But just in terms of the value, I mean, that was just a, an absolute fleecing, I, I thought, to also get off of the Hill contract in that deal as well. And they got 35 to get uh, Luzada Silva, who's, who's playing, who looks pretty good. He's playing in Australia this year. I mean, yeah, I, I think everything that they brought in Aaron Nelson from the Suns as well, it seems like Although ownership is. Although I will say their whole team is injured right now, so <laughs> yeah. we gotta we gotta put a little asterisk by that one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Uh, but you know, so, some of those guys had some problems before that came in. But yeah, it, it. I think I would have had their ownership situation before Tom Benson passed as one of the worst, possibly the worst in the league. It seems like uh, under Gail Benson, surprisingly enough, like things have actually improved. They hired. Griffin, they moved on from Dell Dumps, which is long overdue. Uh, they've empowered Griffin. Uh, it seems like more resources are coming in. I still don't think well, they'll ever, ever pay the tax. No, but uh, they, in terms of resources, they were probably 30th in the league in terms yeah, of the resources absolutely. they developed to all the ancillary stuff, whether it was scouting or player development or health and fitness or whatever. Uh, the you know practice facility, all that. Now they they did invest in a facility uh, that they kind of share with the Saints, which is a little weird. But the uh, the previous well, well, one at least was they an don't share the trainer so. with the Saints anymore. I'm sorry. At least they don't share the trainer with the Saints. Yeah, anymore. yeah, exactly, exactly. That was a train wreck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and they could be a lot higher the next time we do one of these rankings too. Hundred percent. Right? Um, it's just because of the track record that I don't have them uh, that much higher. And they're kind of, they're at such a nadir that they had a long way to go, but certainly the signs uh, are positive. Atlanta's another one. I kind of, I, I feel like they do have enough of a track record with Schlank and, uh, with, with Tony Ressler, um, to evaluate them. Uh, but what are your thoughts uh, on them early on, uh, here? I guess I, you know, there's, there's some good, there's some that's still developing. Uh, we'll We'll see. I like I like Lord Pierce. I like that hire, but obviously he doesn't have a huge track record yet. So we'll you know we'll see if I'm right or not. Uh, the Trey Young pick is working out. The Collins pick was fantastic. Uh, trying to think what else here. Re- um, wrestler, I think a little bit of a concern where he was a little bit of an influence on Al Horford leaving. I think he was a, an obstacle to doing the full max, uh, which was what caused him to leave for Boston. So that there's a little bit of a concern yeah. there. Uh, although you know what though. I mean, where they were as an organization at the time, I, I think they needed to rebuild. Like, I actually was fine with them not ultimately going the full max there. I think I, that actually might have been the right decision. And then they also did a nice job not re-signing Paul Millsap. Um, you know, they they maybe waited a little bit too long and 
could have tried to trade those guys, but they ultimately did what they needed to do, and they didn't, you know, go all in on re-signing a 40-win team. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess I still felt like Horford, if he was there, would still have, like, that's still a, a very positive asset. Yeah, that's true. Although I think he's aged better than we could have known at the time. And then we 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 still have the jury kind of out on the, you know, the picks at 8 and 10 uh, this year, how that whole trade looks. Uh, the de- the deal they made uh, with with New Orleans that we just talked about that we think was great for New Orleans, and you know what what is it for for Atlanta? Was Hunter really worth the fourth pick? I I know what my answer to that is, <laughs> but we'll see. I mean that's I, I, obviously early on it, that might be different, and you know and Cam Reddish might be the worst rotation player in the NBA right now too, which, which is and they're still playing him twenty two minutes a game. They got. I, and the way they built this year's team was was really odd. I mean, I, th- I agree with you. Collins was great. Young. Ah, I mean, we'll see. You know, he might even be, end up better than Luca. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Luca will be significantly better than him. And then, you know, if all you got for it was Cam Reddish uh, to move down, that's still maybe not a great trade, even if they made the right evaluation on Young. That was a hard one for me to evaluate because I actually had Young number two on my board that year. And... Uh, every, every, no one else thought he was anywhere close to that. So mm-hmm. I actually understood the trade, even if I didn't like it as much for Atlanta. But even with me liking Young that much, I still think they probably end up losers on on that exchange. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. The the uh, I hadn't really considered in terms of the the alternative as much as just the player they they ended up with. Yeah. But you, yeah, you raise a valid point there. But I, you know, I st- I guess I still this is why I have them here though. Like it's still such early days that. That it's hard for me to make a make a call on what on whether they should be really high or really low. I mean, they've done some ancillary stuff that seemed to be pretty good. I think you know their health and medical program seems to be pretty good. Their practice facility is awesome. They just opened a new one like two years ago. Uh, it's probably the best one in the league. If not, it's definitely top five. Uh, so they've they've done some good stuff there. So just got to see if they can convert it into wins at some point. So this is this is pretty funny actually. Uh... I was just looking up to remind myself of exactly when Schlenk was hired. It, it's, uh, it was, you know, basically right before the 2017 draft. And, uh, the article I'm looking at includes an embedded tweet of Dwight Howard welcoming Schlenk to the team on Twitter. <laughs> that, that was a while ago. <laughs> and, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, I mean, and, and Dwight was, uh, basically so toxic that uh, Schlenk traded him before like uh might have been his first move that that charlotte trade i mean it was was, yeah it was right up it wasn't there long (laughs) no he he was just well and that 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 trade actually though uh to move off of howard was kind of an odd trade they gave up like a bunch of stuff to to do that um for you know second rounders for no real reason uh, and they downgraded in talent in that trade as well i mean i know they wanted to just get rid of howard and send a message i mean it does like Schlenk, his hits are big and his misses are big, right? He's a tough guy to evaluate, but I do worry a little bit here that maybe it's just Young and Collins, and and now it's kind of a little harder to find the things that look really good beyond that. And so if you're going to say that, hey, the the draft, we're not going to put that much weight on that, maybe it's a little more difficult to find the, the good things. I mean, like the Bazemore for Turner trade was terrible. They don't have a backup point guard on this team. Mm-hmm. They're they're and hey, who could have guessed that they would be 
scoring 92 points per 100 possessions with Trey Young off the floor this year, except everyone who looked at their roster and saw they didn't have a backup point guard. They don't have a backup center either. You know, they're, they're really light there. No, they have three backup centers. That's the problem. <laughs> they don't have a starting center. I love that joke. It never gets old. <laughs> uh, so, and I'm really like, they, I mean, as weak as the East is and as good as Trey Young is playing, like they might have actually been able to be a playoff team this year. And they just have these totally avoidable holes on this, on this roster that are killing them right now. Um, and yeah, the, the value for the Hunter trade, uh, you know, I think he's been kind of as advertised, but just the advertisement wasn't really that enticing to begin with. Yeah, it's just a question of whether that's enough value for the fourth pick, right? To just get somebody who's kind of okay. Well, and, and especially a fourth pick that you're trading up. So yeah, much you're trading. Yeah. yeah, you're trading up and giving things up just to get just to get a fit guy. Um. Yeah. So that's I. I agree with you that the jury is kind of still out. I. I think that we may look back on you know, the end of last season as just the highest point of the Schlenk era. Like, I, I think that possibility wow. is out there. Wow. That's that's rough. We'll see because they, they have a jillion dollars in cap room coming this summer. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of freedom to do some things now. They haven't really tried to do anything in terms of like yeah. on the veteran side that much. It's it's just been all about draft and, and development. But now, now I think they have to make some – some choices on the personnel side and, and we'll learn a lot more about uh, that, that whole organization. Yeah. I, I will give him credit for Jabari too. He's actually been useful and needed. Shockingly that, decent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. So a couple other ones here. I'm, I'm interested that you, and by the way, just to refresh, we're not going to talk about Memphis at all, obviously, since John just spent seven years. There. He's a little too close to that. Still I haven't mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks yet. So they were the next team on my list. Yeah. Uh, so I had Milwaukee and Chicago together as teams that had done some really good things and some really not good things. What, what is a good thing that Chicago has done recently? Okay, we'll 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 get to that. Let's let's go back to okay. the box. All right, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I I'm from Chicago. I, okay. I'm, uh, I I just I I had to speak up for uh for the the Bulls okay. fan so, in me, the Leighton Bulls fan. So in terms in terms of the uh kind of the new regime there, uh, I would say the biggest thing they did on positive was bringing Budenholzer and yeah. built a new built a new arena. Right. So they've done. They've done, they've done some good. Oh, yeah. And, and now with all that cash rolling in from the state, they're just going to pay the tax. They're going to do anything they can to keep a championship contender together. <laughs> Except keep Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 I'm i still not quite ready to brand them tax shirkers yet. I mean, I think it's more likely than not that they're just not going to pay it. Uh, but they did get the first and two seconds from Indiana for that. We'll see what, if anything – they can turn that into, um, but I do think too, like they could have kept Brogdon and still been just barely in the tax if they had uh, chosen him over George Hill and Robin Lopez. Correct. Yeah. They, there, there were other ways they could have played this. Uh, and then they could have maintained an exception for him if they had done very little on the, on the Hill contract, just move 300,000 into the partial guarantee of the last year or create a, uh, incentive that was de- that would have been deemed unlikely by the league, 
And we'll see, you know, maybe a $10 million trade exception wouldn't have mattered, but maybe it would have mattered a lot. It just depends on the deal. I mean, we, yeah. my last year in Memphis, we got an $8 million trade exception for Jamichael Green that basically turned into the first from the Agudala trade. So that ended up being yeah. massively important. So in some of them, you know, others times they expire after a year and you don't get anything for them. But uh, that that's certainly a, a chip they could have right now, though, that they do not. Um, the extension for Bledsoe early, I think, painted them into a corner that they might not have wanted to be into after the playoffs. Because otherwise they could have let Bledsoe go and keep Brogdon. I think they'd be in a better spot if they had done that. Yeah, I, I thought – I mean, I thought – Bloodsoe played at close to an all-star level, asterisk, 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 uh, in the Eastern Conference last year. I, I thought that actually, especially with the last year being non-guaranteed and also seeing how ridiculous the point guard market ended up being, I thought that actually at the time was pretty good. I know he had a shitty playoffs. Yeah. Um, that, that's what's hard. But, like we're, we're evaluating in hindsight. At the time, I don't yeah. think anyone had a big issue with it. No, I think everyone thought they got a pretty good deal there. Um, and also, hey, there wasn't, you didn't have to not keep Brockton <laughs> because yeah, you did yeah. that. That's true, too. That's true, too. Yeah. Uh, the Brooke Lopez signing last year was awesome. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing is that they, they hired a coach and his vision, the front office executed his vision, getting the players that were going to help. Oh, and, uh, stole Pat Connaughton, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a weird one where the, the Blazers didn't do, do anything to try and, retain him yeah they, they've done a good job rounding out the bench i mean they got west matthews for the minimum and he hasn't been amazing but you still got him for the minimum this year uh same thing robin lopez for uh, the room exception was, was solid so i mean they've made some good moves i think so and you know john's horse got executive of the year so yeah. we've been mostly saying good things about them yeah so why why we don't have them higher i think is probably what people are asking right now um, I think everyone still has questions about the ownership situation, about the relationship between the two owners and, and uh, what happens when the owner other, other owner becomes the governor of the team. Uh, the, the, the situation with, with uh, Brogdon was probably less than ideal. Uh, yeah. I, I, they just, uh, other, other than the Budenholzer part, they don't, doesn't quite come across with that same organizational strength that maybe you see from some other places. Well, yeah, I mean the other thing you can look at too, uh you know, I didn't think the Ilyasova contract was amazing. You you can look back on that as having maybe cost them some of the stuff uh, that they wanted to do this year. Uh obviously it was the previous regime, but still that ownership that signed a lot of bad contracts in the summer of 2016. It, Plumley was completely ridiculous. They already had uh, John Henson on, on yeah. an extension. I mean, the, you Tony then Snell they somehow Jedi mind trick Charlotte into taking Plumley. Like they would have been yeah. so screwed if they couldn't do that. Yeah, uh, you know they managed to just get Hawes, who is still on their books. By the way, they had to stretch him. Um, you know they they've given up a bunch of first rounders. I mean, just to get off a salary over the last couple of years and the. The remaining picks they've used on Thon Maker and Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, that make uh, that Maker pick wasn't. Like they're re- going to contribute. Yeah, Maker pick wasn't real great. D- D- Dante still uh, still has a chance here, but yeah, I, I mean, and the Maker thing, I I appreciated the theory of him as a big who could switch block shots and shoot, but there are always the age questions about him. Also, I mean, you know, after his first playoffs where he actually made a pretty big difference, you're like, oh, maybe this guy's going to work out, but obviously. uh 
he has not developed uh, since then. Yeah, whatever, whatever his age was, he has not Im- improved much since he came into the yeah. league. Um, yeah, he was kind of viewed as this upside pick, and uh, you know whether it was the age or or whatever it was, he he did not uh, develop there. So, um, yeah, that's got to be tough. I mean, they, they, and they basically have been you know chasing after uh, some of these bad contracts now and having to deal with those consequences, and again with not being willing to pay the tax. Um, so uh, they've, yeah, maybe we're being too harsh on them because the Bud hire was really good, and the, you know whatever they had to do, whether it's giving him more of a voice and personnel or yeah. uh, adhering to his vision, it clearly was worth whatever they had to do to get him in. They became a championship contender in large part because of him and signing Brook Lopez. So, which uh, I'm sure is something that he wanted to do, and his philosophy of just completely barricading off the rim has been uh, extremely successful for them. So. Uh, I mean, to take their it's, defense it's, from as bad as it was to top of the league is amazing. Yeah, although uh, I mean, re- replacing Jason Kidd certainly put the, put the yeah. wind at his back to do yeah. that. But but they did at least make that make that move. Yeah, yeah. You know that, that was especially for someone who had been close with one of the owners. Yeah, yeah, because those owners did make the original move to bring in Kidd as well. Right, but they also we also have to remember. I mean, you, you just so we have it here what a shit show it was bringing in Horace to begin with, right? They had hired Justin Zanuck a couple of years earlier. Then the, they had to allow John Hammond to leave because Zanuck was the heir apparent. And then they couldn't actually get the votes to make Zanuck the GM. He ends up leaving and going back to Utah. And they, they hired this come. guy that I literally had not heard of, but seems to be doing a pretty good job so far. Um, yeah. I mean, he was a guy that people in the league had not heard of. Right. And yeah. Yeah, so it was a pretty pretty large promotion, but yeah, you're right. I mean, his his track record so far is pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, before they hired Bud, you would have had them, you know, down in the twenties, probably if you're ranking organizations, and so that has helped them. But I also don't, especially with the unwillingness to pay the tax. You know, if Giannis Antetokounmpo leaves in the summer of 2021, then we're going to be talking about them as one of the worst again. So they, they've kind of yeah, they, they've. Uh, they're on a on a precarious ledge right now with this ranking. We'll say. I would agree with that. All right, let's take another quick break here, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll get into some of the. We, we got to talk Bulls here. Okay. With your uh, scandalously high ranking of the Chicago <laughs> Bulls. We'll hit on that right after this. David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, celebrating with you a twenty-one grain salute to a less boring sandwich, thanks to Dave's killer bread i don't know about you guys but when i eat pizza i eat it for the toppings not the crust and when i eat a sandwich it's for what's inside the bread not for the bread but when i throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds thin sliced bread from dave's killer bread it is the epitome of addition by subtraction that thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste killer texture killer nutrition a subtle sweetness and a seed coated crust dave's killer bread is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store all right so what has chicago done well in your mind i guess i'm looking at the totality of the regime's tenure 
So I still have in my head that these guys had a four-year run where they drafted Joakim Noah, Derek Rose, Taj Gibson, and Jimmy Butler. Yeah. You know? No, and I, I it's, it's funny. I've noted that, too, that I thought they got way too much shit. The o- overall organization, up until the summer of 2014, and they also drafted Nikola Mirotic basically for nothing. That was yep. a pretty good move, too. Yeah, they got him in the 20s as well. Um, yep. You know, they maintained enough flexibility, even with Derek Rose getting hurt, to go after free agents in the summer of 2014. And then, basically, after that, they had a period where they just completely lost their minds. And then maybe you could say they started to recover it a little bit with the Butler trade. Although, I mean, I, I go back and forth on whether that was a good trade or not constantly. Certainly at the time, it didn't seem like they got enough, especially to have to throw in the 16th pick into that trade, which everyone completely forgets about now because it was Justin Patton and he immediately got injured and didn't make any sense as a center in Minnesota when you already had Carl Anthony Towns and Gorgie Jang. Uh, but like, I felt like they really gave up a little bit too much there. Uh, and they've really been struggling to recover ever since they have, they're never going to get free agents. They just have such a bad reputation. It seems like, uh, the last two coaching hires uh, have not been particularly inspired. The, co- the coach hires have been, uh, yeah, <laughs> been a, a sore, a sore point, let's say. Yes. Well, <laughs> and to just not even do a coaching search. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that, that's like, as a former ex- executive, that's kind of ridiculous, right? To not even interview. I mean, especially when these aren't coaches who are like, just unbelievable you know we're not talking about pat riley coming out of retirement here (laughs) like you know it's to to not even do a coaching search and just to go with these guys who is like oh we're just we're gonna go with the safe choice who we're comfortable with because like tom thibodeau hurt us you know yeah who by the way won a shit ton of games for him before that happened so i I don't know what the you know what the fear is there but yeah you're right both hoiberg and boylan they just kind of Brought him in, <laughs> said, let's go. Um, the, the, uh, the other issue with the Bulls organization uh, has been all the health and medical fails o- over the years. I mean, the little dang yeah. spinal tap incident, obviously. And then. Uh, oh, oh no, no. That was only the second Luol dang incident because first the, in 2009, they told him that uh, he should challenge himself to play on a broken fibula. And the doctor said that in the media. <laughs> So yeah, they, they, I actually, one of the first posts I ever wrote was mm-hmm. how terrible their medical staff was in like mm-hmm. February of 2012 when I first started writing about the NBA. It was one of the first things I ever wrote. I had like this entire list. They had like Ober Ashik play a game on a broken leg in the 2011 concert finals. It was a disaster. Uh, so yeah, I mean, maybe they're a little bit better now. Uh, so and then I mean, given the resources that they have, there certainly is a limit on their spending. I mean, they did pay the tax a couple of years when, you know, it looked like they could be championship contenders. So, uh, but you don't, you don't, the the overall vibe is that they're, they're a little tight with the money there. And I think that's fair. Another one of these small front offices, right? Like you, you don't hear about them having like a Philly or a Clippers style analytics staff, for example. No. And you don't Um, see like 20 of their people at games either. So, I mean, they, they have, they have a few people and you see them around and whatnot and their international guy is pretty good. And, but you just, it's just not a big staff. And for like this Chicago, like, come on, man. Like, yeah, no, I mean, they've been by many observers, the most profitable team in the league for over the last 10 years or so, because they don't have any competition in that market. 
they've been sold out basically ever since the Jordan years. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, to me, I had them down in the bad organizations group, although maybe at the top of there because there was at least some, somewhat of a track record of success. But I think, I mean, really they've had, I mean, unless you really like the Butler trade, um, you know, Kobe White, I don't give him a ton of credit for that pick, even though I thought it was the right one there because that was the obvious one. Markinen, maybe they deserve some credit there. You know, I'm not sure everyone would have had them high, but you know, we'll see how he works out. Like that's, you know, even he and Levine, you're like going almost going back and forth on daily. This, and it seems yeah. like, so, oh, I mean, the other thing you can point to too, John, is the Rondo and Wade signings back in 2016. I mean, that, those were utterly pointless. Uh, the signing of well, Jabari Parker last year to play him at the three. I mean, these are just no hoper moves with no chance of fitting in. Well, the Jabari the Jabari move definitely was. Now the Rondo Wade move. Now people will say that it got you to the playoffs for one year, right? And in that in those playoffs, you were up before Rondo got hurt. You, they won the first two games at Boston, didn't they? They did, yeah. So I, it's a little harder for me to go all in on that one. Uh, the move you did not mention, however, is uh, Yusuf Nurkic and Gary Harris for Doug McDermott. Yeah. No, and, and even like bringing in Pau Gasol when you already had Joakim Noah, just one defensive player of the year, you know, that you're, you're going to play those guys together. Like that was never going to work either. I mean, that's what I said. That's why I said they lost their mind starting in the summer of 2014. I mean, they really, uh, that was not too good. Uh all right, uh, let's talk about Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> See, to me, I found Detroit and Orlando to be very similar type okay. of organizations. Just hey, let's uh, let's grab the eighth seed in the East. We've been we're out of the playoffs for a while. Let's. I, I mean, Orlando hasn't made a trade like the Griffin trade. Yeah, but I think or- Orlando kind of eventually situation. aspires to something higher than eighth in the East. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure Detroit does. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe if the, if Blake Griffin really could have worked out, you know, they, they could have got like fifth in the East. <laughs> the East is down. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's the East. You can talk yourself into almost anything, I guess, in that <laughs> conference. Um, yeah, I just, there, there's, I, I think there are more voices in the room in Detroit that shouldn't be there. I mean, certainly, certainly Arn Tellum, I think, is a factor and should not be. Uh, I think the the owner is something of a factor. Well, the GM search after it's, it remains on. ongoing. Yes, Ed, Ed Stefanski, who full disclosure worked with me in uh, in Memphis. Yes, they made they made the announcement that they, he was going to lead a GM search, and apparently it's in its what seventh year or something. <laughs> well, I mean, he he uh, he certainly hired the candidate <laughs> that he thought was most qualified. <laughs> <laughs> or he is conducting a very thorough search, one or the other. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a. Uh, I mean, between Stefanski and Casey, that's a that's a. Uh, Warren Legary has his uh, has his paws into that one organization. Yeah, at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Tellum's role really, you know, he's coming in on the business side. Uh, you know, Stan Van Gundy in theory was still the lead executive when they made the Griffin trade, but supposedly everyone else was on board with it. And then Van Gundy was immediately fired, you know, bringing in the coach GM as well. Wasn't really too amazing either. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, I think you have to go back to the, the Gore's tenure really has 
featured just a complete lack of imagination. And yeah, I mean, you're, it was tough for them, you know, three years ago, they're kind of in the situation where Orlando was last year, where, uh, you know, they made the playoffs with a team that didn't have a lot of upside and they've kind of been shuffling the deck chairs around ever since. But yeah, it's just not really clear exactly, uh, where you're going to go uh, with this group. And uh, I agree with you. There's, uh, the executive situation there and ownership is uh, uninspiring. I mean, not terrible, but it's definitely like uninspiring at best. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. And even at the margins, like they just let Such and Gupta walk, like which was, you know, I thought that was one of their better hires and was kind of surprising. Um, well, we and- should talk about. I mean, I don't have much more to say on Detroit. Frankly, I think they're just, you know, they're they're just. <laughs> they're you know, just, just kind of right? below average. It's just, just the way they it's are. It's just hard to get too wound up. <laughs> All right, let's um, move on. Yeah, but when you were talking about the teams that you had in the incomplete realm, mm-hmm. I thought you might put Minnesota in that category. Work up to. I up, so uh, I went uh, back and forth on this. Yeah, so yeah. I think there's a strong case to be made for that. Obviously, because Gerson Rosas just got there. Yeah, um, I did uh, think there uh, was. A, the, Glenn I, Taylor's record is quite complete. However. That's why that's what held me back. <laughs> is that the the record of ownership was so unimpressive and you know we'll we'll see if things can change there but um you you worry that there's too much short-term thinking, too much thinking about the the short-term business side especially uh to uh, uh, how can I put this gently? Embrace some of the tactics that might be most beneficial to their long-term future. Yeah, uh, you know, John Krasinski, uh, and I was worried about this. Your colleague at the Athletic, John Krasinski. Yeah, I'm glad you pronounced his name and not me. Uh, he came on the show. We talked extensively about uh, the hiring process and the role that uh Ethan Kaysen had played there, who's their CEO. It seems like Taylor, whether it's for health reasons or, or due to the influence of Kaysen is taking a little bit of a step back. I think he's, he's in his eighties now. Um, and Kaysen is not a basketball side executive. He's more of a business side executive. So you always wonder when you hear about these business side guys getting involved, but supposedly the process was good. And Rosas is, is someone who has uh, been a perpetual candidate. And since he was hired, you know, I've liked a lot of the stuff that they've done around the margins, uh, you know, just getting, Napier and Graham getting in on that Golden State trade, uh, you know, signing some guys like Fonley and Ballard, mm-hmm. second yeah. draft guys, as you coined the term. But then some of the bigger things that they've done, you know, I have not been too impressed with so far. Like, I don't think that Jarrett Culver, you know, we, we've talked about him on previous episodes, but I think sure. he doesn't fit in that well with what they need. I, th- I thought I like the trade to move from, from 11 to 6 value-wise. Yeah, that was a good I, trade. Sure, I just but don't know if they, Culver they was pick the guy. a guy who might not help him, and so right. That's um, and also you know their desperate pursuit of D'Angelo Russell, who you know it showed some signs in Golden State early on. You know, Jerry's still out there, but you know, moving heaven and earth, like trading, giving up assets, getting off a bad contract so that they could have signed him would have been pretty difficult. Uh, I think uh, you know that that's not a move that I would have. So the two biggest things that they've either done or tried to do haven't inspired me so far despite the fact i think they have been putting more effort in to some of the smaller stuff and and will continue to do so yeah so they um they have made an investment on the player health front with their partnership with the mayo clinic and the new practice facility so give them points for that uh coaching search was a little weird right 
I mean, Ryan Saunders uh, uh, was clearly clearly ownership's guy. Yeah, maybe he maybe he ends up being a good coach. I mean, I you know I like him. A lot of Towns people in the like him, but Towns likes him, which I think is important. But they did this sort of fake interview process that that wasn't. I, I don't know. I didn't really take it that seriously. I guess that they just kind of brought in one or two guys and then said, you know what? All right, we'll just. We'll just do yeah. songs. Yeah. Like oh, oh, and by the way, uh, we're, we're also going to have this guy who's already there as the coach be part of the interview for the GM who then, uh, you know, has full power to just go ahead and fire the coach <laughs> if he wants to. <laughs> oh, man, that's, I think that's the longest you've ever laughed on this show. I, 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 somehow I had forgotten about that. It's it's utterly absurd, though. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. So anyway, so that's that's why I don't I kind of had them more in tier five than tier four. Yeah. No. And, and I think they have the potential to move up. Uh, you know, they have made some improvements, but obviously, I mean, the Thibodeau era ended up being a disaster. Even if the Butler trade initially was a, a fleecing, mm-hmm. the Wiggins extension after he promised Glenn Taylor that he'd try really, really hard. Yeah, I know he showed a few signs in the last couple of weeks or so. Yeah. But yeah, that's not looking real great. And uh, the Gorgie Dang extension. Oof. Whew. Yeah, I mean, again, that was the previous regime, but obviously it had to be greenlit uh, by ownership. And uh, yeah, obviously going back to the David Kahn era and the Joe Smith incident. And I mean, there's all sorts of just sordid details that we don't need to get into. I think everyone realizes them pretty well. Uh, another one that you could maybe, you know, that I had kind of in the same category as Minnesota is Washington. Yep. Again. Yep. It's kind of similar story of hey we're making some changes now we things have been kind of weird uh but how much has can things really change with ted leonsis is still in charge that that's where i i mean the whole structure of having the medical guy report to the ownership and and not to the gm like do you realize how many like weird conflicts that sets up like well the, explain it to us the there are so many situations where you have to make a determination on whether a guy should play that is based not only on strictly on the health because a lot of times it's like the player could play but here's the risk you're looking at and here's where we are in the standings and here's what we're playing for tonight is it a you know is it a playoff game or is it meaningless regular season game 82 or is it somewhere in between and yeah and, what and, is, and the result is uh brad Beal's gonna play 43 minutes tonight yeah well ex- exactly so <laughs> you, you need somebody on the basketball side who's able to think strategically about what the implications are of this player playing or not playing and if if what has been reported is correct that isn't happening and I think that sets up the potential for some situations that could end up very badly well wouldn't you think that if the medical guy is uh... I mean, the idea here is the medical guy is getting more say, right? Because he's a direct report to the owner. That's that's the theory. Yeah. 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 But and, and I, I guess I just wonder, like, what's what's the importance of that, of, of, of delineating that? Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you get out of that? Um, it's not like the guy needed PR? it to take the job. I mean, he'd just been let go by Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's part of it. Um. You know who you're going to report to. I mean, that's something that uh, people care about, perhaps uh, rightfully so, when you're looking for a new job. Yeah. So, so who knows? I mean, I mean, in theory, that would mean if you know, if the medical guy gets more say, then that probably means guys get held out more. And given where they are as a franchise, that's probably a good thing uh, at this point. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, it's definitely it's odd, right? And there's this whole, you know, Tommy Shepard is in charge, but ah, you know, he's kind of not really in charge. And I was going to report to me, and uh, Leon says isn't sure whether he's going to be more involved or he's going to be less involved yeah. in this new. And, and what is uh, what does Sachi Brown do? Like what? Yeah, I, th- I think we still don't really know that. So I think there's just a lot of questions there. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I mean, their first trade was good for what it was, right? I mean, you get players for free because the Lakers screwed up their cap. Yeah, so yeah. They've been doing more good stuff on the market. The, Bur- the Bertans sure. trade was definitely a good move, and was you know the type of move they hadn't been making for the last fifteen years. So give, give them credit where credit's due. But it's it's early days there, and then I you wonder if they'll ever actually trade Beal, which is clearly the thing yeah. they will need. Well, they to do. did get him to extend, which I think is, they, is they, unequivocally good for the organization. They bought, they bought at worst, they bought themselves time. Yeah. Uh, although you might say now they can't trade him at this trade deadline, which might've been where he'd have the most value. Possibly. Of the, the possibly. I, th- I think yeah. going into this draft, you're basically at the same point you were a year ago, except you know who your front office is. So yeah. I, I could make that argument that as long as he stays in one piece this year, you're in pretty good shape well, after the season. We could also talk about how they basically didn't have a permanent front office for the draft and free agency. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to nitpick, you probably want one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that was a we- yeah. that was a weird GM search, right? Because oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's, like and, they fire. I mean, Fred Fred Katz and other of your colleagues was all over just how utterly ridiculous it was to have Grunfeld fired, and Grunfeld was fired. Because he didn't make the playoffs after all all the sins, not making the playoffs last year when John Wall uh, had a torn Achilles and heel surgery, that's that was the straw that finally broke the camel's back <laughs> yeah. for for that's- Ernie Grunfeld. Uh, I mean, Grunfeld, I think needed to go to be sure, but so we'll see. I mean, uh, Leontes definitely uh, seems to be like a little bit of a hothead of an owner, and we'll see whether this new structure can curb some of his worst impulses. But you know, there is a hope. I mean, it seemed to me it's just where they are as a franchise, it's so obvious that they needed to trade Beal. And, you know, who knows what they missed out on as a possibility when teams like the Clippers were looking for a second star this offseason. That's true. Uh, you know, That's to true. To restart the rebuild. Yeah, they could have potentially gotten a King's Ransom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe even from the Kings. Uh, so last team that I have in this, so we haven't gotten to the at my absolute lowest tier yet. Okay. We're kind of in the mid twenties here. Okay. I I put the Lakers not in the absolute lowest tier, um, but still okay. kind of in the bad tier. Okay. Let's let's talk about the Lakers. Okay. So first things for so Magic Johnson is gone, right? So it's Rob Palinka's show now. So at least you know you can at least plausibly argue a little more that they won't do things as horribly as they did in the summer of twenty eighteen. Right. Yes. That was the summer of Rondo and uh, Lance Stevenson and all that. Then. Uh, they've actually done a decent job finding players at the margins, uh, second rounders, late first rounders. They're, I think scouting wise, they've actually done an okay job the last few years. Sure. Uh, you know, got Kuzma, Josh Hart with late first round picks, got Thomas Bryant and Evita Zubats in the second round before needlessly giving both of them away. Uh, so they they've done pretty well. Mo, Alex Mo Caruso leading the NBA in true shooting percentage, I think, as of a couple of days ago. Yeah, uh, Alex Caruso. They you know brought, brought up through their G League program. So they've done a pretty good job with that. That you know it's tough to give them too much credit when basically they were 
they they didn't do anything to get LeBron James and Anthony Davis other than be in LA with the word Lakers on their jerseys, right? There was nothing about how they operated as an organization or the people they had or anything that was any kind of magnet for those guys at all. Um, yeah, I mean the Russell trade they opened up a little more space. The the getting rid of Clarkson also was actually a really good move. Um, that they at least like were able to atone for some of the sins of the Cupjack, uh, the dying Jim Bus Cupjack era in the summer of 2016 uh, without too much pain. That's true. And they were able to get a lot of money back from Lou Dang, which was helpful. Yeah. I mean, now, I'm being devil's advocate here. I mean, obviously, hiring Magic Johnson, who was utterly unqualified and wasn't going to put the work in, and everyone knew he wasn't going to put the work in yeah. just because Jeannie felt safe with him was ridiculous. And, hey, hilariously enough, he didn't even provide the – safeness that she thought he would provide the one virtue that you could have pointed to he didn't provide that yeah that's that's true that's true and he obviously just, like torched the shit out of the organization right after he got fired there there's still, or, or i'm sorry resigned he didn't even get fired he resigned. <laughs> yes S- still a lot of questions there certainly uh vogel hire i you know that was decent i think he's a perfectly fine coach yeah although they didn't get their top two guys uh, I mean, they, they just didn't want to pay up for Lou. Um, now, it turns out, I mean, they've got the number one defense right now. I mean, we'll see how Vogel turns out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's doing well so far, though. But but at the time, he was their third choice. I mean, to be have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, or, or soon to have Anthony Davis, and not be able to get your first two choices, I mean, that seems pretty weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, I, think that, I think that reflects the the instability that the organization projects and and the dysfunction. Um, certainly all of the reporting about how poorly everyone works together there uh, with Rob Polinka being a, a big part of that magic being a big part of that uh, is troubling. Uh, absolutely. And we'll, we'll see. I mean, they may just have such breathtaking talent that they can overcome all this and win anyway, which is a nice segue into another organization well, well, who, who employed LeBron James. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about the Lakers trade because I think okay. we, we should mention that although they have a lot of money and in theory are willing to like spend and pay the tax, they again they haven't been in a position where it would have made sense to do it. That's probably coming, but they have a very thin organization too. I mean, they've been basically uh, at the bottom of the league in terms of analytics integration, analytics staff. Like, I, I mean, basically, you know, going back fifteen years. They, yeah. They've been worse than the league at that, and not on not on the parts. cutting edge of like health and medical either. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, they they've been bad there. I think there's been a lot a lot of issues. You know, last year being a, a, another indication of that. But anyway, anyway, wanted to just get that that out there. Yeah, and so Cleveland is the other one I would have in the bad but not worst tier as well. Would, would you see it that way? Yeah, I would. Uh, I I think Kobe Allman's uh, done okay there. You know, I I, I haven't seen I, I anything. I disagree that's... with you. Okay, I, I right. don't like what he's done there. Fire away. I, I I thought that extension was pretty curious. Um, for Kevin Love. Well, no, for him, for for him to get. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yes, also the Kevin Love and the Larry Nance extension. Um, yeah, I, I would say those two in particular. Um, the trade to get take on Jordan Clarkson's contract and get Nance, and I mean this is back when they still had LeBron. And give up a first round pick 
as well to get guys who basically just didn't help them at all in that playoff run. They ended up getting to the finals anyway because, you know, Boston got so injured and, you know, they just had this uh, mental domination over Toronto Mm -hmm. and the East wasn't that good. Big surprise. But, you know, this is still a team that was trying to compete with Golden State. And, I mean, they shot some arrows that just didn't make them any better at all for those playoffs. Um, Not trading that Brooklyn pick, uh, which ended up being eighth, was the lower part of the range that it was projected to be. But again, they could have, they could have actually competed with Golden State that year, uh, who was pretty exhausted coming off the Houston series. But, you know, yeah, and, and I they, mean, they, uh, yeah, it was weird because they got that ship in the Isaiah trade, which was, which was even, even though Isaiah couldn't play, it was still probably an okay trade. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought they did about as, as well as they could have there. But, they, you're right. They didn't use it when they had the chance to really bank, to really push it into the table and get over the top because they were already thinking about what was going to happen next. Which I think when you're in that position to win, you just got to try to win and then worry about what happens next later. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, there's a thought of like, and I think it's skewed because they actually made it to the finals. They were very, very lucky to make it to the finals that year. Uh, you know, I mean, they should have lost in the first round to Indiana. Absolutely. They probably should have lost in the conference finals to Boston. So, uh, and just that incredible LeBron effort uh, pushed them through. And maybe they felt like, hey, there's no way we're going to beat Golden State anyway. And LeBron is definitely leaving. And, you know, both those things might have been correct. So maybe it wasn't worth trying to push in beyond that. And they ultimately did make it to the finals. But I think that's kind of outcome-based assessment. You know, they they weren't necessarily in a great position to make it to the finals again, but maybe that didn't matter to them that much. They knew they weren't going to beat Golden State anyway, and LeBron was leaving at that point. Yeah. What do you think of the uh, the beeline hire? I think he's doing a good job so far. It was weird to me, though, because this is a young team. The idea of hiring a college coach is, well, this guy can really grow with this young team. You know, I think every coach hire, it's like, oh, right, we're looking for the guy who's going to be our coach for the next eight or ten years. And there's basically, due to his age, zero chance that that's going to be beeline. Yeah, exactly. That that would be the one thing I'd be really. Yeah. Other than uh, that, I thought it was that. good, but it yeah. was just a little weird. It was definitely one of the most respected college coaches in terms of like X's and O's. Like he's not one of those used car salesman types. He just gets who he yeah. gets and then wins with them with scheme. So uh, I think I think he was highly respected in that sense. But you're right with his age. Like where's where's this going in five years? Yeah, and Gilbert certainly, I mean, still there. I'm sure he had a heavy influence on that. He's so into that whole Michigan State. uh, I know who's Michigan's arch rival, but because he was watching them play every year, I'm sure his first choice was Izzo. Then he said, well, how about Beeline, you know? So. Yeah. Well, and and Gilbert is certainly willing to spend. I mean, that's the one thing. And the Cavs have been pretty good on analytics, uh, you know, even going back about 10 years or so now. So that's a, a. at least yeah. compared to some other organizations that are in the type of market that they're in. You yeah. know, we don't hear the crying about it being a small market in Cleveland the way you do, even though Cleveland is a small market. Um, that's, that's true. That's true. Not a, not like a huge staff there. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think they're, they're bad. And, and Gilbert, you know, Gilbert's a liability. I mean, just straight up. Yeah. Like he's, he's temperamental, hard to work for. Uh, you know, push David Griffin out when he was one of the best GMs in the league. Uh, right. he's, uh, he's, he's a liability. I don't know if there's any other way to put it. Yeah. And I mean, it could be that with his current health situation, perhaps he will be less involved or, 
you know, it seems like he's still willing to spend to some degree although you know he's not he wasn't going to go into the tax to take on money for the jr swift contract which i i don't begrudge him that he spent a lot of money over the last few years to yeah build a winner but yeah. um yeah so we'll see what what happens with him i mean i don't think uh, you know that nansen and love extension though i mean that was really not too amazing and also the other thing about altman too is it's like he just seems to think that as many guards as he can get who are going to average a bunch of points per game, that makes you a good offense. Like going back to the Clarkson trade, I mean, Rodney Hood as well, who didn't help them in the slightest. Like he's just going in, Kevin Porter, who he drafted, Garland, Sexton. I mean, Garland and Sexton might still be okay, but a lot of guys on this team are just like, oh, yeah, let's just get some guys who can create shots. Like that, yeah. that's like, he got like 10 he of left out Brandon Knight. Yeah. Although he was, they at least got a first out of that. So yeah, that yeah, that's that wasn't that's the motivation for it. They, Brandon, they're, has, another, has been, they're another front office though that you're going to have a lot more to judge after this summer because they have cap room. They got a lot of this dreck coming off their off their books, so you'll know a lot more about them a year from now, certainly. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, with Love, they in theory want to keep him, but man, that's a that's a tough contract at almost thirty million a year, three more years after this one. I think or, he's one just like Beal, where they have they got to make a move within the next. Well, year. and I think frankly they already should have. They probably should have yeah. just traded him. And I'm not sure that that extension increased his trade value. His biggest trade value might have been in the summer of 2018. I think you. I think you might be right about that. The longer he plays and is still good. The less of a worry the rest of that extension becomes, though. Yeah. So we but, na- but we might now start time. getting into the sweet spot where people look and say, "Okay, there's you know, it's not this big long thing anymore. There's still a couple of years, so we get him for this window, and he'll still probably be be decent." Yeah, it, he also could just get hurt at any time. He's like a, a ticking time bomb in that regard, too. All right, so. I think there are only four organizations, correct me if I'm wrong. That we We're down to, to the final four here, Nate. It's very exciting. And this is my bottom tier. This is my this is my bottom this was my exact bottom tier, although I had one team more bottom than the others. <laughs> so some teams are, are, are less equal than others. Uh there, there was one team that was light years ahead of the competition, is, <laughs> let's say. Yeah, uh, well, so the four remaining teams, if you haven't figured it out already, Phoenix, Charlotte, Sacramento, and New York. Mm-hmm. Who is the best of those organizations? So I would say, I would say probably Charlotte, who seems to have made a decent coaching hire. Uh, their last couple draft picks have been okay, it seems. I mean, PJ Washington certainly looks like a good pick. Uh, Devontae Graham has been fantastic this year. Uh, I, like I said, I like the job they've done with uh, uh, hiring James Borrego. There's still a lot of weirdness in terms of what happened this summer. Where they, they didn't trade Kemba probably just because they wanted to have him around for the All-Star game. I, I mean, I think. I can't think of another reason. But they also didn't bring in any help to like make a push for the playoffs with the team they had. And then uh, went in the summer and did a sign and trade for Terry Rozier and overpaid him, which was definitely weird. Yeah, it's a little, little awkward that Devontae Graham is – been better than him this year yeah like considerably better and uh the you know if they had been getting anything at all from Dwayne Bacon it would be even more awkward but now they just play the two of them together so right the um uh they have so many bad contracts left over from previous years uh with just random guys making 15 million dollars uh from being from guys they signed when they were just trying to stay average basically 
you know, you, where you get these Marvin Williams and Cody Zellers and whatnot. Like, they're still decent players and whatnot. Just those the, those contracts have been crippling to them, though. And Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, obviously, who, you know, yeah. you have to remind people he's still on the team. Uh, Nick Nick Batum making 26 or 27 or whatever it is. So they, they just got a lot of bad deals there that um, – that, that they have to move off of. Now they're going to be in a better position a year from now. So the, the new cup shack regime, if I could call it that, uh, will get some chances to show uh, what they're made of this summer. So, I mean, it really, to me, a lot of those contracts that you talked about, I think those were individually, a lot of them defensible decisions. And I mean, even like kid Gilchrist, right? I mean, you remember like when he signed that extension, I thought it actually might've been a win for the organization. And they, right. and they got, um, but like hiring Mitch Kupchak is insane. Like what, like what did he, he had like, it took a lot for him to get run out of LA after having won five championships. And he was so bad that he did that. And then to be brought in here and then not to trade Kemba. I mean, that was all. And so, you know, I think a lot of that is just Michael Jordan, either interfering uh, or not being willing to pay or you know, going for the latest guy you can find. Who well, to Tar, Tar Heel Alumni Foundation too. I mean, that's the yeah. other part of it. Yeah, the, every everyone's connected in some way, uh, except except for the coach. Yeah, but but I mean, really, yeah, not trading Kemba. Just the the focus on oh, we have to make the playoffs this year, like that kind of thinking. Because hey, we might get a uh, two. And yes, only two, uh, <laughs> only two extra, home games. extra home dates in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they did have the misfortune. Uh, like that forty-eight win team was pretty good. I thought they actually should have beaten Miami, and probably would have if it hadn't been for injuries uh, in that first round. And then they had the misfortune of it being the summer of twenty sixteen when it came time to re-sign all those guys. So that that was especially when they had been so bad. I mean, that was, you know, it wasn't a 42 win team. It was a 48 win team. You know, that was, yeah. that's a little different. And that it seemed like it was young enough that they could continue to ascend to some degree. And that, that just didn't happen. Um, so I, I'm those decisions. I don't hold them on as much. I mean, obviously they didn't work out, but it's just, it's clear just the total lack of a plan in the front office. Uh, and as a result of ownership and uh, maybe it, things will get better now that they've brought in, uh, these other partners for Michael Jordan, so he's not going to be like living hand to mouth every year from a cash standpoint. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, definitely the lack of strategic thinking there was was a killer. Um, all right, I think that's all we need to say on them. Um, Phoenix difficult to assess them. I'm sure a lot of Suns fans are like, "What are you talking about? Like What's, they have a winning record." Yeah, what what are right you now? talking about? <laughs> What's difficult to assess? Well, 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 we're talking about uh giving away Luol Deng for nothing and giving away Rajon Rondo for nothing and trading away two first-round picks to get off of Kurt Thomas all when you're a championship contender. Uh so we can start there. Uh then we can go to running Steve Kerr out of town and hiring Lance Blanks instead. Uh, uh, and th- by the way, David Griffin was their assistant GM and had been there for ages and was ready to move up. And they hired Lance Blanks instead, who was awful, as we all know. Yeah, and, and I mean, we you know there's been no shortage of stories about just how utterly ridiculous Sarver is. Um, and then they they finally go to rebuild with Ryan McDonough, and then they have a, a good year, and then that plan totally gets 
set back uh, and they, they end up uh, down in the toilet again for another five years uh, as a result. McDonough then, then the letting McDonough run the 2018 draft and then firing him on the eve of the season because he couldn't get a point guard. That was that weird. I mean, that was crazy, right? Like, yeah, that, that, that really made uh, very little sense. And certainly, you know, part of your job as an executive is to try to manage the owner. And clearly McDonough was unable to do that. But, uh, you know, I think he's a smart guy who kind of got a little bit of a raw deal there. Obviously, there are a number of moves that didn't work out well uh, that he was a part of. But it also seems like it's very difficult to do your job there. And then, yeah, so James Jones uh, was then hired with absolutely zero experience whatsoever. I mean, I do think that he has improved the culture there. And they got Monty Williams coming, who's also improved the culture. Like, that's been really important. Like, that's. And Monty, I wasn't that high on him as a hire. He's actually, you know, doing a pretty good job so far here. Um, they have gotten back to competence. But my question is, again, what was really the plan behind all these moves in the summer of 2018? Yeah, you might take a step forward and get to be a 500 team, but then where are you at point guard two years from now when Ricky Rubio is 31, for example, right? And, yeah. and you're, how do you take the next step beyond being just okay? Yeah, I mean, every, every year is just them – thinking about how to make their move to get back to the eight seed. They're like the, you know, the, they have the same aspirations in the West that I think that like Detroit or Charlotte has had in the East, except they've won 23, 24, 21 and 19 games while aspiring to get to the eight seed. Like they went into every year thinking they'd be pretty good. You know, they, <laughs> I, I just don't know how you're, how you're that bad and also lack the self-awareness to know you're going to be bad. They also drafted DeAndre Ayton number one overall with rumblings that that was decreed by Sarver because DeAndre Ayton went to U of A. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the Arizona connection. And that was weird because Igor Kokoskov was uh, his coach with the Serbian, uh, excuse me, the Slovenian national team. Uh, it was Luka Doncic's coach there. So there's a lot of speculation that Doncic would be the pick for that reason. Now, Ayton, I mean, Ayton isn't a terrible player. I mean, I think that was... Still probably a better pick than taking Marvin Bagley, number two. But, um, you know, didn't – in terms of the opportunity cost, you have to you have to question that. And then yeah, just I mean, some of the – how awesome could they be with just Doncic and Devin Booker, right? Like, I mean, that would be pretty good foundation, you would think. Yeah, well, I mean, especially the version of Booker they're getting this year that, like, actually right. tries on defense and doesn't take 40-foot threes all the time. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think even even though they're playing better this year, just at the margins, a lot of weird stuff. Uh, sure. Trading down from 6 to 11, uh, taking Cameron Johnson when he probably would have been available much later. Uh, you look at uh, the Rubio contract, I actually didn't hate because they I felt like they needed a real point guard for everything else, for everyone else to develop. Yeah, that's reasonable. But I, I, my thought would have been that they could have gone for one of the restricted guys and paid $10 million a year for pretty similar level of player now rubio has, has been really good for them again we're this is this is an interesting time to talk about this you know a month from now if they've sustained this you know maybe it will look bad or we'll be like no we're actually too high on them and they're you know on pace for 35 wins this year and, and what right. does that really get you right yeah you could have argued they if they they'd gone for a lower number got somebody i don't know delon Wright, somebody like that is that what you're um, they probably could yeah, have paid a yeah, little or, bit less or money. Zataransky or Tyus yeah. Jones or you know, like the, that level of guy, you know, more mid-level exception type of money. Seth Curry, uh, 
you know, and maybe they, they play him off the ball as a shooter, and then they they could have put the ball in Booker's hands a little bit more. I mean, obviously he's looked good more as an off ball guy this year. Uh, you know, the Jackson trade. Yeah, exactly. They could have just stretched him, or they could have done other things yeah. that wouldn't have even required that. Yeah. Um. So. Would you have them uh, in the coveted twenty eighth place, or would you have? I them actually, below I actually have Sacramento twenty eighth. I think, yeah. I think the Suns are inherently dysfunctional, and the Kings are more functional, but just have kind of been bad. Like the Kings, the Kings do things correctly in terms of like if you look at like how they are in the community, or you know they managed to get this sparkly new arena built. Like they've done things right; they just haven't done a lot of basketball things right. Whereas the Suns, it's been more of just a, a shit show, right? So I, I think yeah. I'd have to put Sacramento ahead of Phoenix in this. Yeah, and, and again, this is one of those ones where Sacramento, they passed. Uh, there's somewhat similar situations here uh, at this point. Uh, they've had the playoff draw as well. They passed on Doncic as well to take kind of a, a toolsy big. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's, that's going to kill them too. Uh, and they started off so poorly this year. It looked like they might be starting to come around to be, you know, at least an average type of team. And then Fox is is injured now, so you know, we may it'll be a while before we'll see what would have happened there. Uh, you disliked their off season more than I did, as far as you know, signing a bunch of backups uh, as you termed. I think those guys are actually starting to play a little bit better now. But it's uh, and Ken Catanella does has been their cap management stuff has actually been pretty good since obviously. I mean that that 2015 trade was maybe one of the worst trade. That was that was seen. the low point without a doubt. Yeah, and they. Yeah, I think they. And, and, and that was Vlade with no safety net at that time. Exactly. So they at least realized that they needed some help and brought in a couple of people uh, to their credit. So you um, know, it's still I I still don't think it's it's great there, but it's def it's definitely better than it was, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean they're not they're not a total joke um, at this point. Certainly, the the Luke Walton uh, sexual assault allegations are, aren't great, and to not know that that was coming uh, when he got hired, but he seems to be doing a little bit better of a job as well now. Um, so yeah, I mean there a lot of that is with Sacramento is based on track record, um, and, and obviously the Bagley over Doncic I thought was a, just an utter disaster. Yeah, well. You know, with both of these teams, the thing you have to remember is that when you pick fourth every single year, there should be a wind at your back, right? Yeah. You, like you should have, you should be able to become good at some point, <laughs> like just from that. So yeah, yeah. when that when that doesn't happen, I mean, I think it's fair to ask a lot of questions. All right. So before we talk about this last team, I just uh, I want to tell all of our listeners, I'm really sorry with the talent that we have on board on this podcast. We should be better than this. We've gotten off to a really rough start. We, you know, uh, David Locke thought that we were going to be getting four million listens uh, per episode, and you know, we've been just a little bit below that. But you know, we're, we're going to come around it. And in no way did David tell us that we uh, we had to give this press conference. Uh, but I just want to apologize for the the job that we've done so far. Before we talk about the Knicks here, that that sounds familiar. Where did I where did I hear that before? <laughs> Oh yeah. man, that 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 just that just like summed up everything about the Knicks in terms of ridiculous expectations, dysfunction, uh, ownership meddling. Like it, it, that press conference checked every box. Like non basketball people running basketball, uh, I, I probably left a few out too. Uh, 
signing random 30 year old veterans. Like it, it was just perfect. It was, it was perfect Knicks. One of the things, this is a, a little soapboxing for me. Why does anybody think that like Scott Perry is a good executive? Like what, what did he do in Orlando? I mean, he was there during their absolute nadir, which we talked yeah. about, you know, like the Abaka trade and stuff like that. Then he goes to Sacramento and on the quote unquote strength of signing George Hill and Zach Randolph. Zach Randolph the, for two years, 24 million. Yes. He literally yeah. didn't play a single game in the second year of that contract. Correct. They just like put him completely out to pasture. Yes. Um, and George Hill, uh, basically, uh, you know, I don't know whether it was a, an injury or what, but he just basically took the, the first four months of the season off and, and then got traded to Cleveland. Uh, and, and there was obviously a massive opportunity cost from using that council. I mean, at least the contracts weren't longer than two years, but man, I mean, that's, uh, that was just, and, and then on the strength of that, he immediately goes and gets hired in, uh, in New York after Steve Mills, uh, was, left to do the Tim Hardaway Jr. offer sheet, which they then had to get off of. Um, and that was after, of course, uh, Phil Jackson uh, got himself fired. Uh, I, I mean, there's, even before you get into Dolan, and obviously he's the, the root of that, there's a massive incompetence uh, among some of the, the lower executives that, that have been hired. I mean, it, it, and Dolan then putting his thumb on the scales to make them even dumber. It, it <laughs> right. <laughs> it's almost unfair. Yeah. <laughs> I'll uh I'll give the Knicks credit for uh they've actually done some okay stuff at lower levels. If you look at some of the guys they've gotten in the second round, yeah, and and brought the you know and that's a, a lot of organizations. It's like that. Like there are people even in an organization like Phoenix or New York, there are people doing good work. They're just they, they can be a little bit hard to find, and a lot of times you'll find them on the moves that don't matter as much. Right. Yeah. So and I'm sure we signing an undrafted people. Luke Cornett, like, yeah. you know, Dolan's not weighing in on that or, you know, yeah. or the Ignaz Brasdakis pick. Yeah. 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 No, but, I mean, and, and we, I'm sure we talked to a lot of those people in the Knicks organization and they are uh, not too gruntled <laughs> when not, you talk to them not, about the not, situation. Yeah. Not, not a gruntled family, but yeah, it's it's sad because they should have the res- they should have more resources than anybody. Well, actually, I mean they do they do very, pretty well on the resources front. Let's not get. Yeah. I mean they they do have a lot of people. Yeah, just, I mean they, think of how many fired coaches and executives they're paying all the time. Yeah, really, exactly. They um, <laughs> it's it's crazy, and uh, they uh, yeah they just you know rocket from plan to plan, and I it's it's just. It's just abysmal. But yeah, if there was any doubt who should be ranked 30th, that was completely eliminated by that press conference, right? <laughs> like that, that, that just took the cake. That was like, okay, okay. Having Larry, having Larry Fitzgerald sit in on the coach hire meetings, like that was close, but like you can't compete with this anymore. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you, what did you think of the Porzingis trade at the time? I was trying to put it together in my head what it all meant because so there were a lot of unknowns in terms of what his health was and what his feeling was on on staying there. Now, obviously, nobody has ever actually signed the qualifying offer and then took off the next year. You're leaving so much money on the table to do that. So that to me was a little bit of a bluff. And so it's it's. And it seemed to me that one of the things that would make New York attractive to another free agent would be the fact that Przingis was already there. 
So they took that off the table. Then they're then they're in a situation where they have to get two guys to come or nobody's coming because they have nobody to play with. So I thought they hurt themselves there too. And like, great, you got some stuff from Dallas, but they're at least going to be, as long as Lucas stays upright, they're at least going to be okay. You're not talking like top five picks here. So yeah. it just uh, it just all seemed a little a little bizarre. And again, we don't we don't know everything about his health situation. But based on the Knicks' track record, I'm not sure they do either. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's been another fail for them in in recent years. So, so uh, I actually liked the trade for the Knicks of, at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and also worth noting that Porzingis recently did confirm in the media that he in fact re- had requested a trade uh, as of that time. So uh, the the idea of not a guy not wanting to be there, I mean that that you know does tip the scales a little bit to me. That's fair as far as. But let's see if we can move. I mean, he's going to be miserable there. You know, that's not going to be great for your team. Obviously, you can play. You can play the game, and he probably would have signed that contract. But you know, he wouldn't necessarily have been happy there. And I thought he was, especially coming off the ACL, some of the other injury issues that he'd had. Uh, you know, certainly was evolving into being an All Star level of player when he got hurt. But uh, you know, he was still hadn't played a game at the time they traded him, and. I mean, when you consider the value they got for him, I didn't think it was bad value. I mean, when you consider the bad salary that they got off of, I mean, that was probably another two first-round picks worth of bad salary that they got rid of. So yeah. to get Dennis Smith, who, you know, again, hasn't really worked out, but had some value maybe at the time, and then two first-round picks from Dallas and another two first-round picks worth of value of getting off of salary uh, as well. I mean, obviously, they, they didn't get any space uh to or, or, or they got the space but they weren't able to do anything with it and so now that trade looks bad but i evaluated at the time like okay they're got a pretty decent chance of getting someone here and then jim dolan went on the radio and who knows whether that discussion well, people, people uh, thought was, they had they had guys already in the bag when 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 that trade was made and then dolan went on the radio like there was there was some yeah. suspicion or some whispering like oh my goodness like do they already have this done which well, and maybe that was Dolan going on the radio and saying that might have been what unraveled it. Who knows? <laughs> uh, uh, like, hey, uh, yeah, we we've got a wink, wink deal, but uh, don't wink a bunch more times in public <laughs> about yeah, it, really. right? Like, um, so I I didn't think that that was that bad of a trade, and we'll see, you know, where Porzingis ends up, uh, what his health situation is going to be. If they had actually gotten the guys that they wanted to, it would have been a genius trade, but and. To get the double max room, I mean, they basically they before they made that trade, I think they wouldn't have. I mean, they could have stretched some guys or whatever, but they wouldn't have had enough room even just for KD by himself. And so, I think the, certainly the thinking at the time was, well, KD would rather play with Kyrie Irving than Kristaps Porzingis. So let's move Porzingis. We can get off these other guys and get the double max space. But uh, yeah, didn't quite work out. Just just like it always doesn't work out there. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I will give Dolan credit for that I think he does not get credit for his music is he has a very good record on minority hiring. He's okay. probably uh, the most forward executive in that specific area. And going back to Isaiah Thomas uh, and uh, Perry Mills, I mean, they, they, he is uh, had more minority executives than basically anybody, I think. Yes, yeah, that's probably true. And and coaches. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, there, yeah, Isaiah, Fisdale, uh, Mike Woodson, Don Chaney. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that uh, is scant solace to, uh, Knicks fans who've watched them 
fritter away both draft and market assets uh, since time immemorial here. Um, all right, let's close this out. Um, who was the organization that you struggled with the most? Um, and, and we'll leave out the ones that are like just nascent organizations with, with new leadership at this point. But who did you really agonize over here? Uh, Golden State. Yeah. That was, a, that was a really hard one for me. Um, again, because they've done some things really right and done some things really wrong and that you wonder if they're at a little bit of a turning point or not, or if they can still keep doing things right. Um, that they're, 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 they're definitely an interesting spot. And just in terms of too, with as long as Bob and Steve have been there, Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, like what's going to happen in the future? Are they still going to want to keep keep going there or this is this is the time when a lot of guys start looking around for greener pastures and i'm not saying that that's something they're doing but i'm just wondering uh you know is is this that time yeah. for either of them well they both got extensions at least so that's, yeah but we we yeah. know that those are can be flimsy in the heat of the moment sure um the toughest ones for me were the bad ownership but good front office teams denver and houston i would put in the uh, most salient in that right. category to me right that's fair yeah you just don't, yeah. It's it's almost a battle, right? Like what <laughs> what will Houston's front office do, or or what will what will Tillman do to overcome that? Uh, that's a that's a very uh, very interesting question. Easiest to rank. Easiest to rank. Uh, well, I would say the Knicks at the bottom was pretty easy, but in, <laughs> yeah. In turn, it's in terms of like the middle. I mean, I think you know, given the giving the Pelicans an incomplete and putting them in the middle was pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, I thought putting like Utah in that second tier was a pretty easy call. Yeah, Toronto at the top was an easy call. Um, for me, it was Detroit. Just mm-hmm. utterly blah. Like clearly, like just number twenty-two organization with a bullet (laughs) (laughs) um most overrated front office most overrated in terms of people's uh, just the general conception of them i'll tell you who mine is uh, san antonio interesting on what we talked about last week just that they have have struggled to me in the last four years or so i I know you don't agree on that but well yeah i mean since since we talked last time i went down there and administered last rights in my column on the athletics so the uh they're they're definitely at an interesting crossroads and you wonder if pops how long pop's going to keep doing this you wonder the transition from rc buford to to brian wright how that will go and what that means and you know, just not having not having Tim Duncan or David Robinson around, like it's just it's just a lot harder. So you you may have a point with that one. I had in terms of their perception, because um, I had I had Oklahoma City in tier three, and I think their public perception is probably higher than that. Yeah, and my perception as well. I understand that though; they've screwed some things up to be sure. Yeah, so that that would probably be the one. I think most of the ones that we had down toward the bottom, I think the perception is the same. Yeah. Um, most underrated? Most underrated. I mean, I still think Toronto like doesn't get enough credit, personally. Yeah, but like, they're they... in Canada. Who cares? <laughs> both both the city and the, the, the man and the team. <laughs> there you go. Most, un- most underrated. My most underrated. Um, 
I I think people kind of sleep on Indiana a little bit. I think they do a pretty yeah. good job. So, um, you know, and they're probably going to, you know, be the same thing. You know, they'll win like 45 games and be the sixth seed or whatever. And so there's nothing mind-blowing happening there, but just like consistently good in a small market without a superstar player. All right, man. Well, this is... As predicted, we had to take a little longer on the, <laughs> on the yeah. bad teams. How'd that happen? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, this is fun. Um, what did you write about for The Athletic this week? I know you mentioned this, the Spurs. You're all over the place, huh? Yeah. No, I was traveling a lot this week. So uh, let's see. Um, I'm trying to remember. what. Oh, I wrote about Carmelo going to the Blazers. Oh, I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, actually. yeah. So uh, it's that. it's an interesting move. Uh, I'm I'm not sure it will help them, but I'm not sure what else they could have done. Also, so I, it's just one one of those things, kind of. Uh, then let's see. I uh, I wrote a big thing about uh, Pascal Siakam. Speaking speaking of uh, Toronto, Canada, and his uh, possibly winning Most Improved for a second year in a row. All right. Uh, Please listen to my podcast, Dunked On, uh, as well. Uh, back to doing that five days uh, a week. And uh, we'll be back next Sunday uh, for uh, a new topic. Uh, talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.